Hello, my name is Yara Stark, and on the line with me is Walter Haas. Hello, Walter. Hello, Yara. Thanks for joining me again, Walter. You are now tuned into the so far unnamed Walter and Yarrow show. That's what we're calling it as a, a stopgap solution. Uh, we did ask for feedback for names last two episodes, the first and second episode of our show so far. And finally, we're getting some responses. So thank you. I have to thank a few people. Uh, David Bain suggested Yarrow and Walter's Digital Digest as a show name. I quite like the Digital Digest aspect of that. Uh, I've got a few others which are a little bit more silly, I think. Um, Richard Easties, hello Richard, friend from uh, Brisbane. He's met, suggested the Yahwa, that's Y-A-W-A, taking our first two letters of our, each of our names. <laughs> Not sure that means much to the general world, but it's short and sweet. I'll give it that. Um, Bob has given us chat from down under as another option as well. So thank you, Bob, for throwing that in there. Uh, not sure we've got a winner yet. We're trying to get a few more, I think. I don't know, Walter, any of those jumping out at you? Uh, Digital Digest is probably my favorite so far. Okay, well, we're going to give Digital Digest the, the leading run at the moment. So David Bain, well done. But we definitely want to get some more suggestions from you listeners. So go to the blog post that this podcast came from and tell us what you think you sh we should call this show. It's Walter Haas, Yara Stark. We're talking about technology and entrepreneurship and startups and information marketing. And we're doing it once a week. We're doing it for half an hour. And we'd love a catchy name that we can use for our show. So uh, yeah, thanks for that, guys. And uh, hopefully we can do a, a vote eventually for the best one. Once we have uh, three or four, we can nominate Okay, so on to the show. Walter, you've had an eventful weekend. What did you get up to? I have. I've had pretty much eight hours sleep over all three days, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, so two nights, four hours sleep each, because I went to the Startup Weekend Brisbane. So for those of you who don't know what that is, Startup Weekend is a non-for-profit organization that uh, around the world, a whole bunch of cities around the world, they, over a weekend, they get a group of entrepreneurs together and you have to form teams, work on an idea and then present that idea over three days. And you pretty much don't stop until the pitching on Sunday night and then the best team gets a prize and then the two runners up get uh, a few prizes as well. What's the expectation? I know you actually are meant to create a, like a beta product, right? Well, yeah, you, you definitely get bonus points and that's what we did since I was a techie, so I, I worked on the, the actual technology of the idea. But uh, what I discovered at the end of Startup Weekend is the, the tech didn't really count as much towards the eventual pitch as you know the, my effort went into it. So just to give you an idea, I worked on the technology definitely um, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So Saturday and Sunday would probably have been 18 hours on Saturday and a good 12 hours on Sunday um, and probably about three to six hours on, uh, on Friday as well. And all of that work ended up becoming a first pass product, which was fully functional and it accounted for 30 seconds of the final pitch. <laughs> and because the computer froze, we couldn't demonstrate it, and I ended up walking people through what the website should do. Ooh. What, what, what was the, the, the actual idea? All right, so the idea we came up with is an induction service. Uh, so if 
again, for those not familiar with induction, if uh, you're a mining company or some other company that does handles dangerous goods on site, then any visitors or any consultants that come to the site, they need to do an induction with, uh, with where those dangerous goods are, where the exits are, you know, pretty much standard stuff, occupational health and safety, um, just so that they're ready legally to get on site and do their job. And at the moment, that's handled rather painfully with either paper forms or some convoluted uh, system on a computer where the consultant has to go into the office and fill it all out. So we thought, uh, wouldn't it be a good idea to put this on a web page? Okay. How does, like, <laughs> why do you do this? Because I know you've got a startup already. You're working on KickSpy. So mm -hmm. how, why do you decide to spend an entire weekend? It's a lot of your coding hours there, Walter. Like, just... Yeah, it is. Well, I've uh, I actually had this startup weekend on my calendar, and um, about a month ago, I decided no, nah, I probably won't go to it because you know it is is a whole weekend, and I'm not going to get any. I, I would rather spend that time on my own startup, but I've been wanting to go to it for close to five years now because I've heard I've always heard good things about people coming out of startup weekend and. I now know exactly why, and, and we can get into those details. But uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of experience, a lot of eye opening that happens at the startup weekend. That um, you know, if you're if you're a budding entrepreneur or uh, internet even in internet marketer, I, I definitely recommend you go to one of these events just to see the other side of the curtain. And, and you literally spend twelve hours in the room with your other co team members. And just work on the business and the pitch. Uh, 18 hours on Saturday, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> wow, not sure if I could handle that, Walter. That's a lot of contact hours. I'd say, yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty intense. But um, let me uh, let me get into some of the details, some of the stories for why why this was so impressive. Um, now, I'm pretty sure that a lot of you can relate to, you know, sitting either at a home office or work with your own idea and struggling to really get it off the ground and some things work and then you try a few other things and they don't work. Um, well, Startup Weekend, you're surrounded by, we had roughly 90 other entrepreneurs and everyone has to do a pitch and then a uh, halfway through everyone does kind of a progress report. And during that progress report, because we had those 90 other entrepreneurs there, we actually got contacts to um, one of the HR people at Australia's biggest mining company and three really large corporations that we managed to get on the phone on the weekend and pitch the product to, and they're all quite positive towards the product. So it's, it's making those connections in only a couple of hours that that really shows that if, if you're surrounded by other entrepreneurs, those connections are what gives you an unfair advantage. And that was actually the uh, quote I walked away with over Startup Weekend. If, you know, if you're surrounded by other entrepreneurs or even part of an incubator, then you do really do have an unfair advantage because someone in your network will know someone else who'll know someone else who can help you out. And if you're just you know, by yourself in a home office working on an idea, you have to do all that yourself. And it's 10 times harder to do. And, you know, I can say this, but it's not until you actually go to a startup weekend and you can see not just our team, 
but there were nine other teams and all nine other teams managed, most of them managed to get some potential customers over the weekend. Mm. And, and that's incredible because things are closed on the weekend. So it just goes to show that if you know someone who knows someone, you can get through to the you know, key people who can potentially either validate your product or who, can, um, who would eventually become customers. It's like what no one, Noah Kagan talked about when we went to that workshop in Melbourne and he's teaching about how to get startups going really quickly. In fact, like within 24 hours. And I think the deadline really drives you to, to do that validation process. And I'd say the, the social proof going on there, the peer pressure in that environment where, you know, everyone's doing this. So you're going to get the hustle going and try and find that customer to make sure that you have a viable product or at least to the first phase of one. And, uh, the deadline. I, I'm. I just. I can. I'm so amazed uh, as human beings how that is by far the strongest force I've ever seen to get us to, to do something. Anything is to say you have until this time to get it done, <laughs> and that just <laughs> makes you get it done. You know, whether you're selling product in the launch and you say you've got till Friday to buy it, or your assignment is due on Friday and you got to get it done at university or you're doing a startup weekend and you have to have a prototype ready to increase your chances of winning the prize. You know, it's pressure, pressure cooker. That's right. It's because there aren't any slots in your brain for you to fill in the to-do list. So is my to-do list, I can do that on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday because something's come up. No, I've got to get it done now. Mm. So you start looking for other solutions you otherwise wouldn't have. I'd have to say it, it potentially would be a very stressful life if we always lived under that pressure, though. Oh, you definitely don't want to do that continuously. Yeah. Like uh, at 12 o'clock today, I, I slept until 10 o'clock today, and at 12 o'clock today, it felt like it was midnight. So I was <laughs> absolutely wrecked. But you know, definitely worth it. Proud of the work. Definitely, yes. All right. Any, anything else you want to share from, from that one? Or? Um, well, we came third, which I was quite happy Congrats. with. Congrats. What'd you win? <laughs> Uh, we got some credit on Amazon Amazon web hosting. <laughs> Score. <laughs> <laughs> Any um, like contacts or, or anything you came away from from your own business that you you know didn't well you find valuable? Um, well, just the experience. You you really I I've always underestimated the value of a business network, and I mean I've known the value of a business network. Um, uh, like for, for quite a while, but it's not until you see it in action that you realize the value of a business. Mm. That's, that's the big takeaway for me. Very good. Uh, well, I guess moving on then, if, if we're, we can do that now, Walter. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sounds good. My weekend was not quite as hectic as yours. I was just doing some editing of my next guide, which I'm doing still. So that's my work in progress for the current week. Uh, been. I wanted to jump to the subject because I know we've been floating around this. Uh, we've been floating around a few subjects, but the subject of uh, investing in startup companies, as in particular as a, I guess, an angel investor, and for us in Australia, it's even a little bit more difficult because we, you know, we're we're not privy to a lot of what's going on in the United States and you know San Francisco in particular so the options aren't there the community's not as big and it's difficult to really kind of know what's what's the, where's the next Twitter sort of thing and to or even have potential access to that now I've been mentioning a few times that I've started to participate in angel.co which ironically enough I found because I was looking during our cranky ads years at 
a lot of startup stuff and I'm not even sure how I came across it. I know I did a lot of uh, podcast listening of things from people who were talking about how they did, how they got started. I think I know, um, not AppSumo, that was Noah's, but uh, the the other guys with the other learning platform. Um, uh, it's slipping my mind right now, but they did a talk on how they got funding and they mentioned, I think, this network called angel.co. And it's kind of like a social network for startups, so the founders of them, the employees in them, and also the funding sources, which are either angels or even investment funds and venture capitalists. So it connects them all, and it's actually grown into a really amazing resource. So if you do want to have a chance to check it out, it's just at angel.co. And pretty much everyone I know of in the uh, either startup or even information marketing, internet marketing space is there. And it's been a great social network tool up until literally the last few weeks where it's expanded to become an investment tool, uh, which I really love to talk about. I used it prior to this really just to look at things like, oh, I didn't realize Tim Ferriss is investing in this company and this company. That's cool. Or he's advising this company and this company. Or you know, you can find anyone on there who's got some status, some recognition. And then if I, I have to say, if you're looking for a job at a startup, it's got to be, especially in the States, it's one of the sites I'd go to first because they actually list their, what you know, they're hiring and then what they're doing so you can find out what stage they're at. So if you want to be the first 10 employees at the next, et cetera, et cetera, then this is probably the best site you can potentially go to is, is angel.co to find a job. Of course, I don't want a job, and I don't think Walter does now either. So I've been looking at it more recently because they've opened up to investing, which is a result of a change in the legislation in America in terms of how uh, public funding is dealt with. Uh, I don't know the specific details of the change other than the fact that it's now possible to do public fundraising without needing to be quite as certified, I think, as it used to be, which means a site like angel.co can now do investments. And they opened one up a couple of weeks back. I think Tim Ferriss was the first person to be uh, sort of publicly raising funds as a syndicate leader on angel list which i missed out on it sold out and raised uh two hundred fifty thousand dollars, i think in 40 minutes something like that and how that worked was you can invest minimum two and a half thousand dollars you just go to angel co you've got to be a actual um accredited investor and there's some criteria for that you usually have to have a, a net worth of a million dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in income and you gotta prove that and then you can go in and back these companies and they have specific floats or not really floats. That's probably the wrong kind of word, but they're more like uh, investment rounds, which you might call like a, an A round like or a, an angel round where it's the first or the second time they're raising funds. And it starts at as low as $1,000 to jump on board. It's like gambling because these are startups and chances are they'll fail. <laughs> but as we know the rules, one in 10 or one in 20 might actually end up being a 100x return on investment. So uh, I know you know some numbers about this uh, in regards to how to spread your risk. And I've heard along the lines of invest in 10 and you expect to get two that will return a profit uh, and potentially one that will do that, that, that 10x to 100x sort of level. So it recoups anything lost in the other ones and then some. Uh, so I've decided to get on board with a few companies, which is 
I'm loving it to be honest because I've wanted to do this for a long time and I thought I'd have to fly over to San Francisco to do it and I also thought I'd have to put in 25 grand to 50 grand minimum which kind of limited me into only doing you know a couple of investments that I really need to make sure I spend a lot more time researching and now I can throw away only a thousand dollars potentially <laughs> and uh, you know spread the risk across a lot more sites and but you know the brilliant thing about this Yara I just want to interject with this mm. the um before, prior to the change in legislation in the US, it was only high net worth individuals that could become angels. So the amount of access to capital um, that startups could uh, well access was, was really, really low. But right now, like you said, um, Tim Ferriss's syndicate, it allows people like you and me to make really small investments of $2,500. And a lot of those people all getting together has the same effect as one very high net worth individual. Mm -hmm. But it just means that a lot more, I think we'll see a lot more startups over the next 10 years. Um, I, I think that is going to explode. And you'll see a lot more ideas being generated. And I think it'll be really, really good for the state of uh, technology in the future. Agreed, especially for, for funding of it. Uh, I, just so people know, I've gone into two syndicates. Uh, Tim Ferriss and Kevin Rose are the two people I jumped on board. Uh, you probably know Kevin Rose from quite a few different projects. We're probably most well known for, uh, oh God, I'm having a bad day with names today. Um, dig. <laughs> Good old dig. Yeah. And you can jump on board this site and see who's backing these people. And I, just to explain what a syndicate is, it's Tim will say, you can jump in my syndicate and whenever I go in as an investor in these companies, you automatically go in as well. And when you say, I want to join, you say, I want to put in whatever amount you want to with the minimum usually being a thousand. And then when Tim is raising for a company with his syndicate, then you have to put a thousand dollars into that investment. And then of course, if that company gets bought out or floats or there's a return in capital, then everyone invested will get it proportionate to your investment at that time. So, you know, it's, it's probably a, a long-term thing for a lot of this. You know, most companies aren't going to go from just getting their first round to selling in, you know, a year or two. There are some exceptional examples of that happening, but I think it's rare. And uh, yeah, that's how you can do it. And the best thing about it is, you know, Tim's doing a lot of the, the research and due diligence because he's putting his own money in as well when he does these syndicates. Like they usually put in 50 grand or 40 grand into the investment of their own money. And then the syndicate is the rest of the investment. And then there's also a, what's called a carry, which is basically like the commission the person who runs the syndicate gets, which is only taken out of profits at the point of realizing the capital gain, whatever that is, a float or a buyout or something. So it makes sense for someone like, Tim or uh, Kevin or all these people who are well connected there who will probably know a bit more about these companies because they're meeting with people who are starting them and working out there and, and advising them. So they're better connected to know what's a good investment. Plus, because of their high profile, now they can run a syndicate and have so much more, uh, I don't want to call this buying power, investment power. They can fund entire companies' rounds just based on their, um, their syndicate power. So it's interesting and it's new and it's I think it could potentially change uh, the way companies are founded, just like Kickstarter is doing as well. You know, like the internet's doing amazing things in terms of entrepreneurship and startups. Yeah, good stuff. Right. So, uh, 
I would don't want to talk too much about angel.co, but if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely recommend you go there and, and join up and just have a watch. You know, you may not be ready to put in some money, uh, but it's certainly a great way to research startups, especially if you're not in Silicon Valley or New York where all these companies are, because you can do it from Brisbane, Australia or Melbourne, Australia or Timbuktu in Africa. Okay. Walter, we're, we're on time. We haven't used up our full half hour yet. <laughs> wow, it's a shock. I'm shocked, Yarrow. I know. I'd, I'd love to, I, I think, you know, we've got a couple of other big subjects to talk about. We probably shouldn't jump into them because we've got a good 10, 20 minutes there to talk about those subjects to give them a proper talk about. <laughs> That's right. But um, on that note, mm. if uh, any of the listeners have any business problems, um, you know, like I said last episode, I'm a techie, everyone tech companies, software companies, uh, you've done internet marketing for oh, close to a decade. Uh, yeah, just let us know if you have any questions, you know, do you want any advice from our experience? You know, mm. we're happy to talk about that. And leave comments to the blog post that this podcast came from. We want to try and get the feedback coming through there. So we want the name for the show and any questions you guys have, we'll definitely mention your name when we, uh, you know, say, say your question out on the line. So we'd love to have that interaction. Uh, and if that goes well, we may actually do a live kind of question and answer. I'd love to get some people calling in with um, some questions which we can replay and then answer as well. But um, we want to get the actual show of motivation from you listeners. Now, we, I look at the numbers every week, and there's a good 500 to 1,000 people between each episode downloading this. So I know you guys are out there listening. So if you've got any questions, shoot away. Um, I, I think it's worth like talking about what we're actually focusing on again this week because that's the point of this podcast is to sort of keep you guys updated not only on what we're doing outside of our businesses but what we're doing inside our businesses so Walter we've been talking a bit about marketing because you've been having some different experiences with getting the word out about Kickspy and I've also been thinking a lot about marketing too because while I'm not in what I would call a marketing phase of my business right now, it's it, and I'm, I'm holding myself back. It's quite hard. I'm in a product creation phase, not so much a marketing phase. So I'm spending most of my time building the product and just ma- maintaining the status quo on the things that keep my audience there. So it's not jumping in growth. It's just basically flatlining, which is fine because I've still got my audience. You've got a, a, a newer venture, so you've still got to build that critical mass. Uh, regardless... The thing with the internet today, which has always been the case, but perhaps it's even more important today, is you have to go out there and tap people on the shoulder in order to get them to put some attention onto what you do. And I'm curious, now that you know, you're really thinking about this, Walter, do you have any sort of plans for what you want to test with KickSpy next in, in how to get some attention onto it? Well, that's right. I mean, um, so KickSpy gives you, gives you a bit of um, information about every Kickstarter project. Uh, how they're funding and uh, where I expect them to be at the end of their project cycle. Um, it's it's just a guide, but it's quite helpful to to know how the project's progressing. But I also have some back-end data. Now, what I've noticed is um, there, there's a lot of spikes to KickSpy whenever one of the project owners finds out about KickSpy and then either comments or uh, puts a reference to KickSpy on their project page. Uh, that, that actually... Um, gets me a lot of traffic when they do that. So, you know, short of, uh, short of spamming every single project owner, what I really want to do is um, I want to follow the good rule of thumb where you give more than you take. So since I've got all this data on every single Kickstarter project, I'm thinking of 
helping out certain key project owners, so giving them my time and really helping them, you know, achieve their funding goal. And, you know, as a reward, maybe asking them if they can reference KickSpy in, uh, on their project page or in one of the comments or in an update, you know, something like that. So it's a, it's a give, give kind of model. Um, that's roughly what I'm, what I'm going for now. It's, mm. uh, I've, I've so far been talking to a few handful of project owners and it's, it's working quite well. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll see how that goes over yeah. the next month. It's a, it's a really good point. I think that's, I don't know what to even call that kind of marketing nowadays. It's, it's like an extension of content marketing, but you're not just producing content. You're, you're providing a service as well. So I'm hearing that mentioned actually nowadays is one of the, the best marketing methods. Like uh, I was listening recently to a podcast with, uh, or not podcast, it was a report uh, written by Derek Halpern from Social Triggers. And if you don't know Derek, you probably probably do if, you, if you're in my sort of world. Uh, he, over the last sort of year or two, has been doing website reviews on other people's websites just to help them with conversion and they'd be very public so he'd record a video with with the person who owns the website like he did one with pat flynn and he recommends changes it gets published on that person's blog so the changes help the audience as well and he just got positioned fantastically as a conversion and traffic guy as a result of that exposure on so many these so many of these blogs because he did these free critiques now a he had to have some kind of uh, positioning already as being capable of providing that level of uh, critiquing in order for them to say yes. So it's not like you can just knock on anyone's door. But I think the really important point about that is the positioning. So, you know, you have to know what you are before you can start going out there and presenting yourself as this is how I can help you. Same with, with you and KickSpy, you have to know what's the value I can offer a person running a Kickstarter campaign and what's the tool I can give them and how, how can I help them? Because if they get the help, then for sure they're willing to then promote you. That's what, it's a reciprocation rule. It's one of, the, one of the launch triggers. We all know about reciprocation. We all feel that when someone does something for us, we want to help them back. So uh, I, can, I can hear Walter about to jump in here. So go ahead, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you've hit on a very important point. The, um, you've got to decide what your key value add is. And you can make that, if you can make that as succinct as possible before you jump into any sort of marketing, you know, that'll help you a ton. So from my point of view, in terms of KickSpy, my value add is I answer the question, what should I do to increase conversions? So what should I do to get more backers? You know, I'm, I'm not a marketing expert like you, but um, I know where, you know, the, the best use of your time is if you want to try and get some marketing. So, you know, look at these 10 websites instead of maybe these other 20 or 50 websites. These are the 10 that tend to convert more than these other ones. Mm. That's my value add. So, um, yeah, if you can get that down pat before you go and approach people, mm. then, yeah, very valuable. And that's probably the hardest question I think an entrepreneur or new one has to answer is, is what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be good at? Even as a product creator because you have to get good at it. And that's where the work comes in. It really is. Like I even think about this question for myself, even though I've been teaching blogging for eight years, I still have to go and think, okay, when I go into the marketplace and say, I'm going to be saying I am good at something, that needs to tie into my product funnel. That needs to tie into the free content I release because 
each time I get exposure for those things, the people who come to my site expect more along that path. So if I'm not congruent with the marketing message, the content message, and the product funnel, then the dissonance between each of those points is going to drop my conversion and reduce the sales. So, you know, I have to know if I'm going to get on a podcast and I'm going to talk about how to make money blogging, I'm going to make sure I position myself just slightly in a certain way that's not just like Derek Halpern or just like Pat Flynn or just like Darren Rouse or all these guys because we're all teaching similar fundamental principles about blogging. But I have to find an aspect that makes me separate that attracts a certain group of person to them. They want to follow what I do. And you know, a lot of it's personality-based, but a lot of it's also about how you how you run your business. Like I definitely, you know, I'm a different person to Derek. I'm a different person to Pat different person to Darren and we all have our own ways of doing things so what's important though is the universe of people around you don't know what that is you might know what it is but you have to find ways to clearly articulate that to all these people who find you and when you get those little points of exposure it's a rare opportunity to get someone's attention so you want to have all your your ducks in a row as they say when that happens so you know, when you're not in a marketing phase and you're in a product development phase as an entrepreneur or even in an expertise building phase, if you're a teacher, consultant, freelancer, information marketer type person, getting refinement on your value proposition. This is marketing 101. Go back to you know the Jay Abraham type stuff. What do you want to be have some preeminence in? And that's the the stepping stone to everything else you do in marketing, I believe. But it's, ooh, it's a tricky one because it's kind of... Uh, it's intangible. It's it's conceptual. So um, I love talking about that stuff, but it uh, takes time and practice and a lot of a lot of saying it to get it right. So um, and sometimes you might just have to iterate too. Yes, you, you will not product. get it right. Yeah, you will not get it right the first time. So listen to what your customers are saying, your first few customers, and then tweak. Just tweak. Mm-hmm. I love hearing uh, feedback in the form of what people buy. Like I always find it interesting that oh you really like that part of it but you didn't like that part of it you know or you know which articles take off and which ones don't or which you know features on a kickspy kind of software work (laughs) and which ones don't you know those little nuances uh which is what testing is all about that's i guess the other point here is uh it's great to know that you need to get developed expertise and develop preeminence but most people go yeah but i don't know what that is yet how i figure it out so that's when you have to test and give things to people uh, and slowly work your way towards that holy grail of something you love, they love, and you have a perfect message to deliver it. So you get lots of customers, they're happy, you make money, and uh, you have a business. That's right. And intu- intuition generally doesn't come into it because what you think people want isn't what they want well, most of the time at least. <laughs> yeah, I think it can go both ways. Sometimes it works, sometimes you get surprised. But um, well, If you have very key insights into a market, then yes. But um, most of the time, just common sense to you might not be common sense to your customers. Yeah, so that's a great point. Test on, everything on teaching right there, actually, too, Walter. Because I, I have to remind myself, especially as I get more experienced and older, you're not a beginner anymore, and you forget how to to talk to a beginner. So you know that's one of the things you keep going back and reminding yourself, especially if you using your intuition because you used to be your own customer. That's probably the the one time when you really get to use your intuition because you actually were that person and now you're selling to them but you get further and further away from them the longer you run your business so it's uh yeah it's a tricky thing to maintain you can't stay stagnant you wouldn't want to but um sometimes you know it's helpful to remember what it was like when you just started out okay we're actually at over half an hour walter so you know that means we have to shut up and um say thank you to everyone so uh 
Yeah, thanks for listening, for getting to this part. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> to making it to the end of our half an hour show. So, should we give them three stars? I think we should. <laughs> Elephant stamps. <laughs> um, <laughs> reminders, we need a name for the show. So go to the, uh, the blog post that this podcast was distributed on, which is at my blog, entrepreneurs-journey.com, and you'll see it there and leave a comment. We want two comments. We want to know uh, a question you have for us, which we will pick the best ones, assuming we get some, and uh, ask them on our show and answer them for you. And also a name for our show. We've had a few suggestions from David and Bob and Richard, and we're collecting the best ones. And once we have a handful we like, we'll actually put a survey out there and uh, pick a name for the show. And we might even get a little jingle to go with it. I'm really looking forward to having a a little two-second jingle, you know, the Walter Yarrow show, (laughs) that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, I think that's it for our our uh, show notes at the end anything else to add Walter uh, no that's pretty much it cool I wish you a productive week Walter and everyone listening in as well and uh, thanks for listening to the Yarrow and Walter show we'll talk yeah. to you next week thanks for listening bye bye bye